0: Okay, can you guys hear me out of that? Hello. Okay, so you guys can hear me. That's good. Yeah, I'm using the um, the new snowball mic that I got recently. I'm gonna put that back there as carefully as I can. <laughs> Need to probably get a bigger stand for it or, or or something down the line. But yeah, welcome guys to this Sunday edition of Topics on My Mind for today, the 9th of August. 2020. It is about uh, 3.25 p.m. Thank you all for joining me. I mean, just sure joining me just I mean, make sure this is working again. Yeah, it's working. But yeah, thank you all for joining me uh, for this topics on my mind edition. I had a little bit of trouble <laughs> earlier, uh, I guess, thinking up what topics I was going to say and talk about. Uh, took its time. Uh, well, it didn't take its time. Basically, I took a little too long, I should say, coming up with topics to, to talk about, and uh, I ended up, you know, basically, uh, you know, root, you know, basically causing the camera to go off. It went into, I guess, standby or something, and just said, eh, "I'm done." You know, stuff like that. But um, yes, I am here doing a. Live uh, topics on my mind for today, Sunday, like I said, August 9th, 2020, as we will uh, put the hashtag in there for Sunday. So people can kind of tune into this. There we go. So yeah, just getting this all ready for you guys to um listen to and and everything. And of course, Microsoft Edge decides to go back. I don't know why it's been doing that lately. I don't know uh if you guys have had that problem either. Basically, if you have Microsoft Edge or whatever browser, all of a sudden you click on something and it decides to go back to the next to the previous page when you meant to you know do something else. <laughs> um but yeah, anyway, welcome, like I said to this edition of Topics on My Mind for today, the 9th of August. So, the question obviously is what topics are we going to talk about? Well, we have eight topics we're going to talk about today um, here in this uh, live uh, live stream, which later on, once it's um, uploaded, basically finished processing itself here on YouTube, I can convert, or will convert, to an audio podcast onto um, uh, an mp3 file i will convert it later to an mp3 file that i'll put onto my podcast bw roses discussions which you guys can check out later but anyway anyway on to the topics at hand as i link this up to several areas here hold on for a sec Okay, but the topics we're going to talk about is number one. And there are several poignant topics, or poignant topics, I should say, um, that are on here that I wanted to uh, talk about. And hopefully you guys will um, that will join me in the live stream will be able to indulge me in that. Uh, but the topics we will talk about here, is that, like I said, as I linked this, not the friends, oh boy, that's, uh, you know, well, yes, to friends, but with the exception of a few people. <laughs> uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, basically, the topics we're going to talk about um, here, as I get everything adjusted. And by the way, the Blue Snowball Ice is one of the best um, uh, USB uh, mics that people have said. It's kind of up there almost with the Blue Yeti or something, I guess. I, I don't really know. <laughs> um, um. Anyway. can okay, just suggest in little for a sec. But anyway, the topics we are going to talk about, and like I said, some are kind of pertinent to what's going on. Number one, the the first topic we'll talk about is, what will people's reactions be depending on who's elected president? Yes, that's a very important um, uh, question to ask because, you know, a lot of people have said that this election this year is probably the biggest, most important election in a while, depending on how you view it. So we'll talk about that. Number two, James and Mike Mondays. That's James Wolfe, the angry video game nerd at Cinemassacre. And Mike Mattel, or Mattel, or, or his best friend Mike, that is. Uh, their weekly series that they've been doing for eight years called james and mike mondays which is basically a let's play uh series which they've also had to modify because of what's going on uh usually they're kind of in the same room but they have had to modify that i had to modify it uh it's going on hiatus till february we'll talk about that number three how will people react towards the democrats and some media outlets if rumors are true did they help over-exaggerate the positive virus case numbers? We'll talk about that. Number four, how will the upcoming NCAA college football season adjust to the pandemic for the time being? Number five, where will WWE hold the 2020 version of SummerSlam this year? There's various um, talk about that. Number six, will Wonder Woman 84, the sequel to Wonder Woman and the, and Black Widow, the mid quill, I guess you say of the m c u basically it takes place I'm thinking uh between uh Avengers Endgame and in and uh, Avengers infinity war, but i also i don't know I think it takes place between then or it takes place in between uh civil war and um spider man homecoming, so we'll have to look at that and I think it takes place between civil war and Infinity War. So we'll have to look at that. But basically, the qu- the questionable topic is, will Wonder Woman 84 and Black Widow end up going to premium VOD? We'll talk about that. Number seven, will hashtag Rally for Sally succeed in the end? We'll get into that. And number eight, the final topic, yesterday, August 8th, 2020, marked the 34th anniversary of The 1986 animated Transformers movie. So we've got a lot to talk about right there. So guys, get ready for some uh, interesting topics uh, to come your way as I put in some tags here. Hold on for a sec. what else I have here on Okay, I think that's uh, enough there. So anyway, hold on for a second. get something to drink because I know it's going to be long. right, so guys, I had to take care of something real quickly, but I am back. A little bit of Coke here. Adjust the seat. Here we go. So... (laughs) Okay, sorry about that, guys. I had to get back here. Yeah, I had no, I had to restart, man. I had to restart a little bit. Uh, but anyway, we're about 12 and a half minutes in, so let's get into the topics here. So the first topic we're going to talk about, basically, is how will people react to how or what will what will people's reaction be depending on who's elected president? Uh, you see, this is why a lot of people nowadays, believe it or not, they choose not to vote. I know that may sound wrong to a lot of people, but here's the thing. Not a lot of people are choosing to vote anymore, whether it's by mail or physically, you know, being in person and all that. It's because to a lot of people, it's not. it doesn't matter who's elected president because... You know, are they going to be what they say they're going to be? You see, a lot of people look at Trump and they feel that the guy is nothing more than a tyrant. He's a representation of a tyrant from eons ago, if you know what I mean, like over 80 years ago or something like that. He's reminded he he reminds people of that person, even though it's not true. I will I will admit to that or agree to that. But there are just a lot of people that feel it doesn't matter who is elected this year because, you know, it's a lose-lose. You reelect Trump, you're in for another four years of who knows what. You elect Biden, you're in for four years of a president that's just being manipulated, and the real people in charge are the Democrats like Pelosi and all them. And people will eventually come out and say, you know what? Pelosi is the one making the decisions more so than the president, Why do not they just elect her? You see, and and you see, that's what's going to, and you see, that's why people don't choose to vote because they know whoever they, they know that who they want may not be who they get. Even though a lot of people have said that, you know, Biden has the lead in some areas. Lately, I've noticed that it's kind of gone the other way. And that's Trump's actually getting more support. And that we haven't heard that much from Biden. Now, I'm not saying that people putting out numbers saying, "Oh, Biden's ahead of Trump. He's doing this. He's doing that." I'm not saying that's not true. But a lot of people have to remind uh, those that want Biden to win, or the or the uh, politicians that want Biden to win, uh, they have to remind them that. As I adjust the mic here for a second, uh, there we go. But they have to remind them that Clinton was in the same uh, predicament four years ago. Everybody thought, hey, we're going to make history. We're going to get our first woman president. And in the end, that didn't turn out to be the case. We ended up getting, uh, instead, uh, Donald Trump as our president. And I think it's also, beca- and I think, honestly, and I sa- I think, I, be- I believe I said this back when it happened. I said that basically Donald won basically because he's a celebrity. People want someone that's a celebrity and they, they know uh, they could trust more than somebody else. But again, it's all, but again, back, getting back to what I was saying, it's mainly a lose-lose situation. No matter how you look at it, it's a lose-lose situation in many people's eyes. And that's why not many people uh, want to vote. And that's why, you know, when you ask the question of what will people's reactions be, depending on who's elected president, They're not going to have a reaction because to them, they don't know how things are going to turn out. I think the only way people would go back to voting fully, like a hundred percent is if we get a president that lives up to everything they say. Now, some will come out and say, Oh, Trump's living up to what he's saying. And he's, you know, doing this, he's doing that. I mean, just yesterday, what did he do? Is I just the computer here for a second? There we go. But it's like, you know, yesterday people will say, you know, Trump's, you know, living up to what he's doing. Doing he's living up to what he promised. I mean, look what he did yesterday. What did he do? He signed an executive order, kind of bypassing what's going on between the between the Senate and the House to make sure certain benefits are given out. People get certain money given out. And if he has to do that again for maybe a second stimulus check to come out, he's going to do it. Now, I will admit that, yes, he is living up to everything he's saying he's doing. You know, he says he was going to build a border wall between Mexico and and the United States to make sure no illegal immigrants come in. He's living up to that. He's living up to that. He's living up to a lot of what he says. But again, there's just a lot of people that don't like him because, you know, he's he's making up, he's making decisions that some people don't like, like. This past, like this weekend, yesterday, was supposed to be the U.S. ban of TikTok. And nobody likes that. And then yet, before that, he comes out and says, look, I don't mind TikTok staying around if an American company buys it. You know, so that's about it. He's trying to basically, in a lot of people's minds, he's trying to basically show what a true president is supposed to be, and that's be a patriotic president. That's be that's about being about America, protecting the country, and sometimes making decisions not a lot of people will agree with. And yeah, has there been a lot of decisions he's made uh, over the past four years that people don't agree with? Absolutely. Has he said a lot of things people don't agree with over the past four years? Absolutely. Even those that support him and want him to stay on as president have even admitted, look, The president has said some things that really don't make a lot of sense or basically make it make it look like he's put his foot in his mouth. And here's the here's the reality check Here's the reality check. Nobody is perfect. Not not every president, not even Reagan. I say that with all due respect, God rest his soul, but not even Ronald Reagan was a perfect president. Nobody is. Nobody is. But at least there are certain presidents, Republican or Democrat, that have come along and have tried to live up to what they have promised. They have lived up to try to make things right and uh, make you know yeah, like I said, they try to live up to make things right. They try to make things, you know what they try to basically give the country what it needs, what the people of this country want and need. And here's the thing, you know, and here's the thing that goes. And again, this goes back to why people are reluctant to vote because of the fact that they don't know who's, you know, what kind of president they're going to get. Like to them, as I mentioned earlier, it's a lose-lose situation. So what will people's reactions be depending on who's elected president? Well, for those that don't vote, don't decide to mail in or walk in or whatever, it's just going to be a you know, a wait and see kind of game. It's just going to be like, OK, let's wait and see what this guy uh, does for the next four years. Let's see if he like, you know, what Biden, a lot of people are saying Biden's going to get manipulated. That's why they want him in office. And again, it goes back to what I mentioned moments ago. You know, Biden could become president, but most of the decisions could come from someone like Pelosi and someone. And you can't tell me that people won't be like, oh, well, Pelosi is the one that's making all the decisions. Why didn't they elect her president? You see, that's what they worry about. That's what they worry about. And with Trump, you know, you don't want, obviously people don't want a president that sticks to their guns, that stays by what they're going to do, Ooh, no, stays by what they say they're going to do, and they do it. They don't like it. I mean, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Why do you think we've been getting a lot of these and anfita and groups out there, these riot groups, whatever they're called, Why do you think we're getting them? Why do you think we're getting them? Because these are people that have the belief that we don't need a president. We don't need a government. This is the land of the free. We should be able to do what we want, when we want, and that's it. But they don't understand that there are limitations. Yes, you have freedom of speech. You have freedom to do what you want, but there are still limitations. And I don't know, maybe that's the message they want to get across that, hey, we're not actually the land of the free. We do have limitations. If that's the case, then why don't you come out and say it? You know, that's what a lot of people wonder. And again, this is why to a lot of people, it doesn't matter who is, who gets elected because the reaction is mostly going to be a wait and see. Now, as far as those that will vote, as far as those that will vote, like, let's say, you know, Republicans for Trump or not, Rep- but supporters for Trump. You know, their reaction, if he wins, is going to be great. They're going to be celebrating and saying, yes, we've got another four years of a president that doesn't take BS, that stands by what they say they're going to do, and they do it. And as far as the Biden supporters go, if Trump wins, the reaction is going to be, oh, great. You know, now we got to deal with this orange-faced orange son of a gun for the next four years again. And political-wise, Democrats at the House and in the Senate, their reaction will be, Oh, great. Because this is how people view them. The the reaction to the people would be, oh, great. All our plans to try to get this guy out of office just went down the toilet. That's how people view the Democrats right now and some liberals and independents that are in the House and, and in the Senate. That their reaction will be, oh, great. Trump won again. Now we have all our plans just went down the toilet. We're going to have to readjust our plans, see what we can do. I mean, again, you look at Pelosi. Let's say she gets reelected as the House representative, her reaction is going to be <laughs> exactly probably the reaction she had, and that's iconic. Doing one of uh, Trump's speeches, you know, at the House or at Senate, she basically ripped up something in the back, and and it, you you can't tell me that won't be her reaction if he. Re- If she gets reelected to the House, but Trump gets reelected as president, you can't tell me that won't be her reaction because a lot of people are picturing that exactly happening. But then on the other side of things, you look at the fact that Biden could win. A lot of Trump supporters will be like, oh, great. We got Sleepy Joe as our president now. Now what do we do? We're screwed. Our country's screwed. It's It's up, you know, shit creek. Excuse my language there. It's up shit creek without a paddle. That's how people will view it. That's how people will view it. Like we're up shit creek without a paddle if Biden wins. And then on the other hand, you'll have the Biden supporters being like, yay, we got a, we got a president, isn't it, that we can manipulate and get to do what we want. Yay, party, 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 party. And that's why a lot of people that don't vote on the outside looking in, because to them it's like, hey, if we're on the outside looking in we don't have to worry about this that much because we didn't have a hand in electing these people you did so because and that's how people will look at it they'll look at it like hey we didn't vote for them you did so whatever they do is on your hands that's how people feel you know that, that that's how that's how they, that's how they feel and again it's that's why people on the outs that's why when it comes to what will people's reactions be depending on who's elected president you know it's basically it's a no win to them it's a no win situation and the reaction is mainly going to be a wait-and-see game it's going to be a wait-and-see game and and that's it that is it you know so to me what will the what will people's reactions be depending on you know, who's elected president? Excuse me there. Excuse me there, just had a bit of a burp. <laughs> but to me, like I said, if Trump wins, Trump supporters and Republicans will be happy. The Biden supporters and the Democrats will not be happy. Like I said, there are people that will view, the Democrat, that view Democrats, independents and liberals that are against Trump as being like this, going like, ah, oh, shoot, they'll go with our plans down the toilet. Now we got to deal with this guy for the next four years. And Pelosi, if she gets reelected into the House, could be like this. You know, ripping up, ripping up her papers and stuff. Getting, as some people would accuse her of or make fun of her of, get a bottle of beer or a bottle of gin and just go, give me more. I have to have a hangover to get over this loss. Stuff like that. That's... That's how people view the Democrats, and the same go with people viewing the Republicans. If Biden wins, now you got now. Now again, this is why some people feel it's it's not worth voting. Now, am I going to vote? Yeah, I'll probably vote because I get a mail-in vote deal, but I'll probably do it in person if we're allowed to do it. But this is why the overall reaction by people in the end a majority will be wait and see because a majority of that wait and see is going to be those that are not going to vote because it's pretty much to them lose, lose. And some people I know will come out and say, well, who do you like again? I know some people will be like, well, you got to choose someone, you know, are you going to choose the lesser of the two evils? Like what, what to you and people will pose this question to those that don't vote or choose not to vote or say they're not going to, the question is, well, you have, now they might say, well, you have to vote. It's your right. It's the law. And, oh, by the way, who would you choose anyway? What is the lesser of the two evils, in their opinion? That, that's the thing. Who is the lesser of the two evils? I mean, wh- I mean, here's the thing. You got other people out there, liberals and independent candidates. Even freaking Kanye West is trying to run for president what will people's reactions be of all of a sudden it's announced Kanye West just came out of nowhere, independent and all, and became president? Not saying it's going to happen, but what would your reaction be? It'd be surprise and shock. It'd be surprise and shock, but it would and it would be different. And maybe it would be something everybody would be happy about because, hey, We're rid of the two. We don't have to worry about the two evils, as they would look at it, running this country. So, again, though, getting back on topic, the lesser of the two evils, in many people's opinion, will probably be the choice to go with. But the overall reaction is just going to be wait and see, because, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people voting. But what they don't tell you is the majority of people that don't vote outweigh those that do, which is why somebody will be elected president. But the question is, who is going to get that vote? Will it be Trump for another four years or be Joe Biden for four years? And as some people worry about four years of allowing himself to be manipulated. Now, look, some people will say, well, look at Barack Obama. He was president as in everything. He did good. He was, people liked him. Look, Barack Obama is one of those exceptions to where, you know, just like any president, he made decisions not a lot of people agree with. And he did make decisions that some did agree with. So I'm not saying that he wasn't a good president. He was decent. But he wasn't the kind of president that, as some people will look at Trump, and maybe even look at previous presidents like Reagan and a few others that stick to their guns and stick and stick to what they're saying they're going to do. So, so again, it's so again when pe- when when this election comes, the question is going to be, you know, the question will be in the end what is who you. The questions that are going to be out there are who are you voting for and what will your reaction be on who wins so that's about it so yeah what again getting back closing up this first topic is like what will people's reactions be depending on who's elected president it's a wait and see deal that's what it is it is a wait and see deal and i know people don't want to hear that but it's a fact and you know we'll just like i say have to wait and see. But that's basically what it's going to be. Because you know those that do vote, that if the individual that they voted for don't win, they're not going to be happy, In you know, externally or internally. So we'll have to wait and see there. But that's all I'm going to say on that topic. So let's get on to the second topic. And I'll be right back. Uh, you <laughs> take a BRB right now, excuse me. Okay, guys, I'm back. Sorry about that. Had to take a bathroom break there for a second. Make sure everything's still working. Second, Make sure everything's still working.
1: Okay.
0: okay, so the next topic we're going to talk about: James and Mike Mondays going on going on hiatus till February. Let me reread that. Second topic: James and Mike Mondays going on hiatus. I forgot to put, put, put on the <laughs> one on on this. Hold on. There we go. Oops. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, James and Mike Mondays going on hiatus till February. Okay. So, what this topic is the second topic um, if you're a fan of Angry Video Game Nerd on you, here on YouTube and cinnamassacre.com, uh you may have also watched several other series that they've been doing i mean they've been doing rental reviews uh they've been uh james at times will do like a you know a top 5 countdown of certain movie game topics and stuff uh he'll do comparisons things like that mike will sometimes do live streams like let's play live streams and all that but one of the other and also they used to do some series like uh board games where they would talk about board games Uh, but over the past eight years, throughout all that, uh, they also had another series that they did on Mondays, which was called James and Mike Mondays. Uh, this was a series to where James and Mike would play a nostalgic game or game currently, uh, just to see how far, to see, to see how good it is, you know, today from when they previously played it. In their younger years, easy for me to say, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, James and Mike um, would uh, have this series uh, had this series going for eight years, and like I said, every Monday, nonstop, uh, they would, like I said, they would sit down together and basically do a let's play of an NES game, an SNES game, uh, a Turbo Graphics game, a Genesis game. Any game from any console, they would end up playing uh, to see how they would to see how they would react to it. Uh, if it's a game they used to play when they were younger, they would try to see if it still holds up today, and if they can remember how to to play it. Uh, if it's a game they've never played before, you know they would try. It would be the then right then and there. It would be the first time in front of all of us, even though the even though the uh, video was already recorded, it would be the first time playing the game to see if they can get far in it. And the last one that they did uh, previously, the last one that they did uh, previously was uh, the Super Nintendo version of The Wizard of Oz. Now, James had reviewed this. In fact, it was one of his first uh, reviews of one of his... I don't know if it was one of his first ones. No, I think it was actually, what, was his second season, I believe? I have to look this up. But James did an AVGN review on it. And Mike made... And it was one of Mike's first on-screen appearances as the Cowardly Lion. And it's actually a pretty good review because the game itself is notorious for being one of the hardest Super Nintendo games out there. So, anyway... Like I said, James and – that was the so, – <laughs> let me let me get something here to drink. But like I said, that was the last um, James and Mike Monday's Let's Play that they did. It almost went for about an hour because uh, you had Mike playing the game while James was watching because, like I said, James had already played it and he had to do an AVGN when he did the AVGN uh, review on it. And I'm sure he played it previously before this to kind of get a reminder of of how hard it was or tricky it was. And the reason I bring this up as the second topic is because uh, James and Mike, well, mostly Mike, uh, came up with the decision to take a break for a bit on the James and Mike Monday deals and kind of give, give themselves a reprieve, like kind of give themselves a bit of a mental break for the next several months. And then basically in February of next year, come back all new with all new material, freshened up and everything and go from there. Uh, But they did make the announcement as well that perhaps uh, during the second, during the return of James and Mike Mondays, that they're going to kind of be more organized about it. In other words, they won't be going nonstop like they did for the past eight years. And instead, they'll take pre- periodical, they'll take periodical breaks uh here and there when they need to. Like if they start back in February, they may take a break in the summer and then come back in the fall. And then during Christmas break, they may take a break and then come back once again in February of the following year. Something like that. But yeah, they're basically taking a break uh, from from doing the James and Mike Monday Let Let's Play, like I said, that they've been doing for eight years now. What's interesting about James and Mike uh, is that it's not just them at times that did the uh, did these uh, Let's Plays. Sometimes they would have uh, other reviewers over there, like they would have Pat Contra, uh, Contra uh, Pat the NES Punk, that is. Uh, they would have Scott the Woz. They would have Doug Walker, sometimes James, and sometimes I think Doug would stand in for Mike. If Mike wasn't able to do it, Doug Walker would come in and help out. You will know, kind of stand in for him. So you had James and Doug, so you had Doug Walker in there at times. You had, I think, Brad Jones, Cinema Snob. Uh, you even had some celebrities. I think you had Macaulay Culkin, you know, doing a, Let's Play, doing a James and Mike Monday with them. Um, I think you had the guy that created the toxic event, uh, toxic crusader. You had him in there. So, so you had a, a bunch. So it wasn't just, you know, Mike, like I said, it wasn't just Mike and James, but you also had a bunch of, uh, guest stars and sometimes stand-ins de- depending on what's going on. Um, so yeah, that, that was so basically what I'm trying to get at is a majority of the, a majority of the show would be focused, whether it was just James and Mike or them along with somebody um, as, a, as a guest player or someone standing in for them. Uh, mostly it would be them playing these games that they had not played in years, or it be these games that they had not played uh, at all. Or be some of the newer games that just came out to where they'd be playing them. And it'd be a first time deal for them. Like, okay, you know, let's see if this game uh, lives up to what people say it does. And uh, usually the way they would do it is they would either go to James's house and play it there, or they would go to Mike's house and play it there. But lately, because of the pandemic, they've had to modify what's going on. I mean, even when the pandemic hit, even when the pandemic hit, uh, you had basically uh, a lot of pre-recorded material that had James and Mike in the same venue and mostly James's uh, basement or his game his nerd room, the game room, if you will, uh, doing the James and Mike Monday stuff. And like I said, late, like I said, uh, that was even doing at the start of the pandemic. But as we, but as the months progressed and the weeks progressed, we noticed that now James and Mike were basically um, doing their James and Mike Mondays from different locations. And I think they were using Zoom or Skype or Google or something. I'm not really sure what they were using I think it may have been maybe even Facebook Messenger. I don't know, but they were using some kind of interface, um, interface from from something. Again, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Zoom, I don't know if it was um, Skype or Facebook Messenger or even here on YouTube. I don't know, maybe even Twitch. I don't know, but they were using. Um, a major, but they were using basically face-to-face, if you will, um, material to basically. Uh, they were just using like a face-to-face kind of deal, conference-like kind of deal, to uh, basically uh, do the do the um, let's play. And it would all depend on both of them having the same game, and one taking one turn after the other, or them both playing the game simultaneously. To see who could get further in it, who was better at it, stuff like that. So anyway, um to get back to the but anyway, to get back on point here, they made the announcement uh, about a week ago on the I guess you could say season finale of James and Mike Mondays, or quarterly season finale, that they would be taking a hiatus. Now they did say there's still gonna be material out there, you're still gonna get um, some material now like I said they did say you're still going to get some material and all that um, out there it's just not, It's just the James and Mike Monday deal is going to be on hiatus now if you're a fan of it but you haven't watched most of James and Mike Mondays and of course they got a play- playlist on the Cinemasco YouTube page where you can watch every single episode which is, which features James and Mike from the beginning to the hiatus, to the uh final episode before the hiatus and like i said a lot of these include not just James and Mike but other reviewers as well so and even celebrity guest stars so if you haven't checked it out yet i would say go ahead and and check it out um but basically yeah, they're, they're taking a break, and I don't really blame James and Mike for doing it because um, to constantly, you know, do this kind of stuff week after week, especially during this pandemic, it's kind of hard because basically you got to choose the game you're going to play, and in this case, in this scenario, you got to make sure that both of you have the same game so you can play it simultaneously to see who gets the furthest or to see whether or not one likes it or one doesn't. So, it's so I don't blame them in anything, because because one it mentally, because one it, it it gives them a mental break a little bit, you know. It also takes a load off their table right now, so they can focus on the, on some other things. But along with that, not only does it give them a mental break and all that, and allows them to have one less um, one less uh, series to. F- one last video series to to worry about or to work on, but it also allows them to come up with new material. You know, for the for the for the uh, upcoming return in February, it allows them to come up with material that you know will be fresh and new. Like there are a lot of games, there are a lot of games that. Basically, I'm sure they have yet to play, and going on this hiatus, it gives them the opportunity to uh, come up with possibilities of new, fresh ideas um, in the future. It allows them to do that. I mean, because there's a plethora of games out there, any from Atari, Commodore, you know, television, uh, ColecoVision, you know. SNES, Mega Drive, Mega System, Genesis, if you will, which is the Mega Drive anyway, but you get what I'm saying. As well as the Turbo Graphics, PlayStation, all the systems, even up until now, including the upcoming PS5 and Xbox Series X. You know, it allows them. It allows them to, like I said, come up with fresh, new material with the variety of options they're going to they're going to have so uh in my opinion in my opinion uh i think it's a great idea for them to do this you know because like i said it gives it it takes one last thing one less thing off the table and it allows them it allows them to also come up with fresh new material throughout the months like you could have Mike and James both figure out, okay, what what games could we choose to for the restart of James and Mike Mondays. So, so yeah, I, I don't blame them for taking time off, off of this series, you know, because like I said, it opens the door for them to do more in the future with the series when it makes its return. But it also takes one last burden off their plate. It allows them to focus on other things, you know, so, yeah. So I don't, again, I don't blame them. And when they come back, I'm hoping they come back. And I think they will come back better than ever. And I think they also want to try to wait. And I think the other reason for this hiatus isn't because of a mental, like burnout from, you know, trying to find what kind of material they could work with, but also because of pandemic, because I think, honestly, James and Mike like it better when they're in the same room playing and not separate because of what's going on. So I think that's the other reason they want to, you know, hold off till February, so they can at least kind of have a clear, hopefully a clear, and I, there will be a clear, um, to kind of get back together in the same uh, area, in the same venue, same you know place, and do the and do the James and Mike Mondays because at least you know you won't have to maybe wait on a delayed reaction or something like that. You'll have the instant reaction from from them, from, they will. What I'm trying to say is, they won't have to wait on a delayed reaction, they'll have an instant reaction as to what the other thinks or how the other is playing the game. So, with that said, I'm going to bring this second topic to a close and I'm going to take a bit of a break because I got to go take care of something real quick. Be right back. uh uh-huh. Uh, sorry about that guys. I had to take care of stuff real quickly. I take a bit of a break too there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, let's get on to our third topic. And maybe I should have put this out to the first topic, but anyway. Our third topic is this: How will people react towards the Democrats and some other and some media outlets? I should say. Let me reread that. Number three, third topic: How will people react towards the Democrats and some media media outlets? Let me get something to drink here. Okay, let me restart. And that is number three, how will people react towards the Democrats and some media outlets if rumors are true, quotation or uh, parentheses, parentheses, if rumors are true, parentheses, that they help over exaggerate the positive virus case numbers? You heard me right. Let me reread that. How will people react? How will people react or react? I should say not reacts. <laughs> Change that. But how will people react towards the Democrats and some media outlets, if rumors are true, that they help over exaggerate the positive virus case numbers? Now you're probably asking, why did I bring this up? Well, it's it's kind of funny. You see, there's a clip going around on Vimo. Not just YouTube, but on Vimo mostly, where you have this doctor talking about this medication that they've used to treat all kinds of viruses. And it has proven, excuse me, it has proven to be effective against this virus. And yet we don't hear much about it. But what we do hear is the increasing number of cases all across the country even in those less in, less affected we hear the number of cases rising why why do we hear this you might ask well there's a word there's a rumor speculation if not legitimacy maybe in some eyes that the democrats along with a few liberals and independents And some media outlets, and we all know who they may be, are helping to over-exaggerate the positive case numbers of this virus. But why would they do that? Why would they do that? Well, mainly, a lot of people point out that the reason they're doing it is so they can make a certain president that I talked about earlier look bad. As a matter of fact, a lot of people that tend to believe believe he's responsible for what's going on, go onto Twitter or social media and they go hashtag Trump virus. And honestly, folks, when I read something like that, that to me is, an, it's not enough evidence, but that that plainly to me is someone that just wants to use this virus to get rid of the guy. They don't want him around. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I would look at, Some people on social media, whenever he would say something, a majority of the reaction would be, you know, oh, it's your fault. Hashtag Trump virus. But not just that. It would be resign, resign, resign. Like that's really going to happen. You know, we're talking about Donald Trump, guys. That ain't going to happen. You know that as well as I do. But anyway, getting back on here. Uh getting back to this topic, there's a lot of speculation rumors, and maybe as some would look at it legitimacy that certain political parties Democrats independents liberals, and some members of the media, certain outlets if you will are over exaggerating some of these numbers just to make Donald Trump look bad and those involved with trying to get him reelected um, as well Try to make it's basically to a lot of people that view it view it or looking at look at it this way it's their way of it's basically to them that see it this way it's basically to them just an excuse or just a reasoning to get rid of trump that the over exaggeration of the numbers are not the true numbers that the positive cases that are going all over the place rising up you know in a large, in a huge way or slightly they're not entirely true that they're over exaggerated and some people are basically pointing towards political parties like the democrats liberals independents and some media outlets you know and basically putting them at fault for doing that and if that is true if that is true here's my response if that is true if this rumor is true you know has any legitimacy whatsoever If any of this is true, here's my response. Here's my response to it. And that is, if you don't like Trump, especially if you're a media outlet, if you don't like Trump, just come out and say it. Just tell the truth. Just say, yeah, the cases are not as bad. The rising of the number of cases is not that bad as we previously reported. We just said that because we want Trump out of office. Just say it. Just say the truth. Just tell the truth. That's my, my, my response. The same with the political parties involved, if it's true. If you don't want Trump in office, just say it. Just say, yeah, the case numbers that we've been hearing are not that bad. We're just saying this because Trump, we don't want you around anymore. Just say it. Just say it. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If there's any truth to this, any legitimacy to these rumors... How people react towards the Democrats and all the other political parties involved, as well as some of the media outlets, if it turns out to be true, if the rumors are true, I'll tell you how they're going to react. They're going to react with a big old freaking middle finger. Straight up in the faces of these political parties, in the faces of these media outlets, they're going to come up with a straight middle finger to them. And they're going to basically start branding a lot of stuff saying DTM, don't DTTM, don't trust the media, don't trust the media, don't trust the media. And you know why? Because if these rumors are true, not saying they are, even though some have said that there is evidence evidence out there that provide otherwise eyes and show that they are legitimate, if they are true, nobody's going to believe any of these media outlets and we know who they are. I'm not going to say who they are by name, but we know who they are. And people are not going to trust them anymore. They're not. They're not going to want to tune in and listen to anything they have to say. Even if it has to deal with something historic and other news outlets, media outlets are covering it, they're not going to tune into them anymore. They even may find a way to say, Hey, uh, Xfinity. Hey, AT&T. Hey, Verizon. Hey, DirecTV. Hey, Dish Network. Hey, Sling. Hey, Pluto. Can you guys uh, do us a favor? Yeah, what's that? Can you remove so-and-so media news channel from our service? Why? Because they lied to us about this vi- the number of virus cases. They gonna help do that, and we don't trust them anymore. Oh, is that all? Okay. That's what could happen. That's what could happen. That's what could happen. And I think, I think honestly, I think honestly, a lot of people will agree with that. They will agree that that's the possible end result, that nobody's going to believe them anymore. Nobody's going to believe them whatsoever. And that's going to be how people will react. They're going to react in a distrusting way. If it comes out that certain Democratic members are responsible for helping exaggerate the numbers as well, they're not going to trust the Democrat Party any, any more than they do now. In fact, they'll distrust them more so than they do now. The same with the liberal and, you know, independent parties. They're not going to trust them because to them, they're going to be, to them, they're going to look at a Democrat and let's say Pelosi gets reelected and Trump gets reelected and all of a sudden things go away. You know, as some people are assuming they will. And it gets out or it's speculated that Pelosi had something to do with the exaggeration over exaggeration of the numbers, you know, you know, positive cases. You think they're going to trust her any more than they are now? No, they're going to want to petition to get her butt out of, Out of office as the head of House of Representatives, and the only way they're hoping she gets out now is if she's basically voted out with the new Republican candidate going in in her place. The same with our governor here in Newsom, here in California. Governor Newsom, even though he might be trying to do the best he can, and probably has a better understanding than his aunt Nancy Pelosi. Do you think people are going to trust him if his name gets pulled through, dragged through the mud, dragged through the dirt as someone that helped exaggerate the numbers? No, they're going to want him recalled even faster than they want him now. The point is people are not going to trust certain media outlets and they're not going to trust certain political parties any more than they do now. Probably as far as not wanting even to listen to a word they say anymore anymore. Or even have them, if it's a media outlet, news outlet, on the cable, on the as part of the cable or satellite or whatever, streaming anymore. That's what's going to happen. That's going to be the main situation. Well, that could be the end result in the end. Is they're not going to want them around anymore. They're not going to want to listen to them. They're not going to want them to be in existence. They're not going to want them on their television or anything like that, because they, because to them, the Democrats and other political parties involved and the media, certain media outlets, basically put their lives because they'll be viewing them as them putting their lives in danger, all because they want to freaking Trump out. When all they just have to do is come out and say, "Yeah, I'm Nancy," "Yeah, I'm head of representatives Nancy Pelosi." And yeah, the case numbers of the virus is not so bad. I just say that I'm just I'm just making those up because I want Trump out because he didn't let Hillary couldn't win. That's how people will view it. Like I said, if Nancy wins her re-election as House of Representatives the head of it, but her name gets you know, her name uh, gets uh, comes in contact as one of the people in the Democratic Party or political parties that help exaggerate these numbers, no one's going to trust her any more than they do now. Because a lot of them should just, a lot of them view her as somebody that's just bitter at the fact that Hillary Clinton didn't become president. So, so yeah, I look at the fact that you're going to get a bunch of distrust by people. A lot of people are going to not trust the Democratic, liberal, or independent parties any more than they do now. They're not going to trust any certain members of those political parties any more than they do now. And when it comes to certain media slash news outlets, they're not going to trust them any more than they do now. Period. If it, it comes out that they help exaggerate, over-exaggerate these numbers. Because all you're doing is putting people's lives in danger because you want a certain president out of office. When you could just easily say, A, and be When you can easily just be truthful and say, look, the numbers aren't as bad as they are. We're just saying that because we want Trump out of office because he's bad for the country. That's all you have to say. And that's how you truly feel. You know, that's all you have to say. That's how you truly feel. Because if you don't and and he gets reelected, Trump gets reelected and it comes out that Oh, the numbers weren't as bad as they were, and it was just over exaggerated. And certain news media outlets, you know, suddenly uh, start having their names dragged through the dirt, along with certain names of political parties that are involved with certain political parties, dragged through the dirt, you know, dug up and all that, and being revealed as those that exaggerated the numbers, over exaggerated them. Of course, people are not, of course. There's going to be a backlash on them because people are not going to, you know, trust them anymore. That's the reaction. That's the reality of what the reaction will be. It'll be a distrust more so than it is now. And everybody watching this or will be watching this later knows that or listening to this when it goes to podcasts later on knows this. They know it for a fact. They know it for a fact that the reality will be, in the end, a total distrust of certain media outlets that are over-exaggerating these numbers and a total distrust of certain political parties and members of those political parties uh, down the line. And they know it. They know that's the reality. So that's what the react... So to me, that's how people will react. The react will be nothing but pure distrust, if not maybe hatred towards towards certain members of the, certain political parties and members of those parties and certain media outlets for basically not just over exaggerating these numbers to try to make a certain president look bad but by also putting people's lives and livelihood at risk and in danger because you didn't want to come out and say the truth you didn't want to come out and say uh yeah the cases are not that bad uh we or come out and basically say something like you know what we wanted to come out and apologize for over exaggerating the numbers Certain positive cases—they're not as bad as they are—and we just said a lot of that because we just want to make Trump look bad because we want him out of office. So it's like, you know, that—that's all they want is you for them to be honest. Because again, if it gets out that certain media outlets—and we know who they are—and certain political parties and members of those parties help over-exaggerate the numbers of a positive cases. It's not going to look good, especially if Trump gets reelected. It's not going to look good. And what's going to happen, the reality of it in the end, is going to be a total distrust, if not hatred, towards those political parties, members of those parties, and certain media outlets that did this. Because basically, like I said, to them, you're putting their lives and their livelihood at risk and in danger because you are focusing on trying to get this guy out of office when, in fact, it may or may not happen. So, so, yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say on that third topic. I know some people might say, oh, well, you don't know if that's true or not, Brian. And, again, like I said, it's just a rumor, but there's been a lot of speculation. A lot of – there have been, I guess, in some people's eyes, legitimacy, you know, to back it up. But, again, it's just a rumor, and if it turns out to be true, again, the reaction is going to be a distrust and hatred towards those – political parties, Democrats, independents, liberals, members of those parties, and the media outlets that help over-exaggerate these numbers. That That's basically what it's going to be. That's basically what it's going to be. All right, so enough with that. Enough with that. Let's get on to our fourth topic. And our fourth topic is How will the upcoming NCAA college football season adjust to the pandemic for the time being? And that's an interesting question. Just checking something there, guys. But anyway, on to the questionable topic, and that is the fourth one that is, and that is how will the upcoming NCAA college football season adjust to the pandemic for the time being? And uh this is a really interesting question because you know, football season is just around the corner. Right about now, or within the next few weeks, we'd be getting preseason games, but because of the pandemic. That's being called off for the NFL. Um, I don't know about any of the traditional classic games that happen at the end of the month for college football, you know, kickoff games and all that. that I think that might have been called off. But you know, the question is, how will the upcoming football season adjust? And a lot of people are speculating that it's mainly going to be conference-only games so they can limit what's going on. Limit contact and all that. Well, others are saying that, you know, they're going to go. I guess they're still going to try to plan to go the way, you know, regular plan, uh, the way the season's planned out or uh, panned out. Uh, but the word I've gotten around, I've heard, and others people have heard, is there's a possibility, depending on what happens, that basically the college football season could be split in half that if things don't get better college football season could be split in half from half of it being done in the fall and the second half in the spring that that's just what I've heard last time and if that's the case you know it shows you how much of an impact this pandemic has had but it, the way ESPN, the way Fox Sports Network, Fox Sports One, the way CBS Sports Network, all of them are talking, it sounds like the football season plans to go on as planned as a matter of fact let me let me double check that just just to make sure just to just to um, make sure. ...of what's going on here. Okay, according to... Okay, according to several sources... Going to several sources, they're saying the Power Five conferences are moving towards uh, the football season not being played this fall. Now, again, that does fall into something else that I heard about. So So a lot of people are saying it's not going to happen. So it's kind of a shame if it doesn't. But then again it may again this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. It says sources. Now, according to several of these, uh, CBS Sports reports that a cancellation of the 2020 football season this fall is unavoidable after the Mac canceled its season earlier in the day. Two prominent Power Five athletic directors told CBS Sports on Saturday. Both reacted to the MAC becoming the first FBS conference to cancel its fall season while also referencing a lack of progress fighting uh, the virus. Sorry about that. That was a uh, CBS Sports puts on these little ads and all that. Sorry about that. But like I said, uh, it says two prominent Power 5 AD directors, athletic directors, um, told CBS Sports on Saturday, both reacted to the MAC becoming the first FBS conference to cancel its fall season while also referencing a lack of progress fighting the virus according to the medical professionals. So... So, yeah, the Mac is canceling it. And a lot of uh, potential uh, first round picks have opted out of playing in the 2020 season. So, yeah, you have two Power 5 AD directors uh, saying that it's going to pretty much be an end, that it's not going to happen and all that. And it's it's a shame if it does, but again, it does kind of go into a rumor that I heard. Because you got to have college football this year. You got to have college football. There's there's no doubt about it. And Let's see, so yeah, it, it, it all depends. It all depends. Like I said, it all depends on who you who you believe and all that. Sports Illustrated is. Is also reporting it a little bit, I think. Sports Illustrated is saying that high-level conference meetings are being planned for this week across the college football landscape with the expected resolution of postponing fall sports until 2021. Multiple sources have told Sports Illustrated. It says it's gotten to a critical stage when Conference Commissioner told Sports Illustrated they didn't say which one, so that's interesting. After a conference call between the heads of the Power Five conferences, it says, I think all of us will be meeting with our ha- with our boards in the coming days we have work to do that is not oh fun. Now, here's what's interesting. Sports Illustrated says that the dominoes started falling in earnest, Saturday, when the Mid American Conference postponed, not canceled, postponed fall sports, it says the Big Ten followed with a announcement that it has that it was pausing its scheduled progress a progression to full pads football practices. A well-placed source told SI Saturday they think by the end of the week the fall sports will be postponed in all conferences. He says even that timetable might be accelerated. Sources tell SI that the Big Ten is moving towards a decision to cancel the 2020 fall season while engaging other power conferences on a uniform decision to be announced later this week. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting what happens. Um, But, again, this is where I heard a speculation. Now, let me see if they have it here somewhere. Now, ESPN is saying this. This is interesting. Here's ESPN. They're, They're reliable, in my opinion. Let's see what they say. It says... Okay, this is what they said. Matt postpones all fall sports, including football, plans on spring season. Let's see what this is. Okay, it says, the Mid-Atlantic Conference, or the Mid-American Conference, I should say, has postponed its entire fall sports season, becoming the first FBS conference to make the drastic decision because ongoing concerns surrounding the pandemic. Okay. Now, it says here down the line, it says, the MAC said it has started formulating plans to move all affected sports, football, men and women's cross country, men and women's soccer, field hockey, and women's volleyball to spring 2021, if possible. So that's where the spring thing comes in. So honestly, here's what could happen. How? Here's here's what could happen. And this has been discussed since uh, last month. Since last month. And that is basically, if college football does not happen in the fall, then it will happen in the spring. But here's what's interesting. If it happens in the spring, then you're only giving the players a few months to practice before they have to come back in the fall. So, it's kind of an interesting scenario. It's an interesting scenario to see you know where the chips fall. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of members in these Power 5 conferences that are like, "We're not going to cancel. We can't cancel the season. Are you crazy?" People depend on this. It's going to be boring. And again, it goes back to the first and third topic. You know, there are probably going to be people in these conferences, in these meetings that are like, it's, it's stupid. We can do less crowds. We could, you know, have temp. They'll basically discuss, look, let's do the temperature stuff and all that and see what happens. And if someone has the virus, they can't play for at least two weeks or even a month. They could come up with that solution. And some are probably even going to say, you know what this is really about. It's about Trump getting out, about getting Trump out. I guarantee you, if Biden gets re- gets elected, all of a sudden you're going to hear, oh, cases went down. Everybody's cured. That's how some people in these board meetings are probably going to look at it. I mean, a lot of people are saying that it's an option. And you'll have a lot of calls. I'll tell you this. Spring 2021, if that happens, you won't be, uh, you won't have to worry about basically not having something to watch athletic-wise because you'll have college football, you'll have baseball, <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have basketball, you'll have hockey. It's like anyway you look. Oh boy, there's sports. <laughs> you know you'll have something. I don't know how it will work, but you'll have something. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting what they decide to do. Uh, I know a lot of fans are not going to be happy, especially those that attend. They're not going to be happy, but I, I know some people are saying, "Look, it's better safe than sorry." And if we have to wait till the spring for college football to happen, then we have to wait. You know, and, and here's the thing: I will admit that you want to be more safer than sorry. But, you know, really, it's like everybody everybody has their opinion as to why this is all happening. You know, and some people probably say, well, look, why don't you just get a salute secluded locations that are not affected and play some of the games there? You know, that's how some people might look at it. Now, according to USA, and this is an article that was done, what, back, back last month, about a couple of weeks ago on July 22nd. According to them, some leagues have embraced the option, uh, embraced their options. One is to eliminate all non-conference game. Another is to play fewer games altogether. And given what's at stake from financial perspectives and all that, that could be an option. And then the third alternative is to ensure that football exists in some fashion remains into consideration moving the sport to the spring. Now, again, now again, you know, that is a possibility because if we look at the XFL, the XFL and the Arena Football League are spring leagues. So it's not uncommon to have football during the spring and the summer. But will it happen? Will that be the case? Right now, the NFL is moving towards having its season as planned, and they may go the virtual fans route that the NBA is going just in case. But when it comes to college football, that's kind of up in the air. It's like you don't know exactly what the direction could be. But my opinion, you know, we'll have, to, as I say in a lot of my videos, we'll have to wait and see. Well not just me, but a lot of people say in the videos it's a wait and see kind of scenario because when you think about it, yeah a lot of people will say it's better safe than sorry, but here's the question what if a majority of these directors in the Power Five conferences say no we're going go as pl- we're going to go on as planned. We'll just we'll come up with a solution and maybe that solution as I mentioned earlier is we'll test the players. And if any of them have a fever above 100, they can't play. Or will even do tests every week or every other week. And if it comes out that the player has the virus, they're not going to play. they got to quarantine for at least two, three, two weeks to a month. So I think that's probably going to be a, a solution or an idea they come up with, that they could still do the si- season but they're going to have to basically, you know, modify it to where, you know, players will have to be tested. I think that's probably going to be the next. um, I think that might be the the best, one of the better solutions, but if it comes down to they have to move it towards the spring, then yeah. You know, people will look back at this called football season and say, yeah, this is one of the more historical ones, because it was the first time we did spring football. So It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting what the decision will be. I, I don't think, honestly, any of these. Here's the thing: I don't think the two ads that right now to the power five are confident this is going to happen. Um, you know, particularly, you know, thinking a lot of things through. I mean, they are. They do have everybody's health uh, and risk. Well, everybody's health uh, in mind, health and safety in mind. But I think, honestly, they're also the kind of people, and I say this with all due respect, because I deal with some of these people at work as customers. I think probably a few, I think they might be germophobic, And again, not a bad thing, not a bad thing, but they might just be in that category, just like Harry Mandel, you know, very germophobic, And maybe that's why they're feeling, hey, you know, we're probably going to cancel this till at least spring and maybe resume then. I can't say that's true or not, but whatever the decision is, you know, we're all going to be looking back on this from a sports perspective and we're going to be like, yeah, this was a weird year or a weird way to start off the decade. Very weird, very, very weird. So, and so, yeah, we're going to be looking at it that way, but here's the thing. There's a lot of people like myself that have, you know, football games, On the systems, on the video games. And there's a lot of people even now that are playing football through these games that are kind of making up for what they won't have. So we'll still have football, even if we as fans have to virtually do it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But yeah, basically, how will the upcoming NCAA college football season adjust to the pandemic for the time being? It may end up adjusting by going to the spring for a one-time deal. And that's about it. So it'll be, again, it'll be really interesting to see what happens because one of the things that a lot of people have to look at is let's say you do the spring deal. You got bowl games. You got some bowl games. How are you going to work around those? You may have to move certain games to other different venues, especially if they interfere with certain game with certain, uh, Baseball games and all that. Not saying that won't happen. I mean, spring might open things up even more so. So, well, again, like a a lot of people say, it's a wait and see game. And with these guys, we're going to have to wait and see. We will. But anyway, with that said, let's get on to our fifth topic. Let's get on to our fifth topic. And that is, where will WWE hold the 2020 version of SummerSlam this year? Well, you talk about how <laughs> certain sports-centric leagues or promotions or whatever have to find a way to adjust to what's going on. It seems the WWE right now has to do the same thing. Now, in case you guys haven't been paying attention, WWE over the past several months has been holding... Raw, SmackDown, NXT at times, uh, 205 Live at times, and even their pay-per-views, they've been holding them at the Performance Center. Basically, the Performance Center has become their ECW arena. And in case you guys don't know what I mean, excuse me there, in case you guys don't know what I mean, uh, a majority of, during a majority of ECW's existence, a lot of their shows, if not a lot of the pay per views, during the early times and the, during the earlier years and the, during the prime years, if you will, and the later years, the final years, a majority of the shows and if not time, pay per views would be held at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, that is. Not saying they didn't virtual, not saying they didn't virtue. Uh, easy for me to say, venture. That's what I was looking for. Not saying they didn't venture outside of uh, South Philly and have shows and pay-per-views elsewhere. They did. They made a habit of that. Well, they made good on that, I should say. But but when you look at the outside, compare it to a lot of what happened at the 2300 Arena. Yeah, that's basically where most of a lot of the things happened. And that's basically what the PC, the Performance Center in Orlando for WWE, has become. It's become their ECW arena. It's become their Impact Zone. It's become the Skyward Studios, if you will. You know, it's become the G. What was it? The GP, GB, GBP, or GPB Studios that holds NWA power. It's become basically like that. You know that that's what it's become. And it's um, it's really uh, it's it, it, I'll, I'll say this if you if you're watching the shows, it's really interesting to see it this way. I mean, I'm watching clips here and there, but you know, and even though they're trying, it's like it's not the same. It's not the same without being in front of a crowd, and that's where the question of where will WWE hold SummerSlam this year comes into play because. Word in word, reports are coming out. Word and reports are coming out that Vince McMahon does not want to have SummerSlam at the Performance Center unless it's a last resort, and it just might be the last resort because he wants SummerSlam to be somewhere outside of the Performance Center, along with the possibility of filming, taping, and going live with a Raw and a SmackDown from the same uh, areas, the same locations. And rumor has been going out and word has been going around that they're looking at various locations that they might be able to hold SummerSlam in. You know, one particular area that's been coming up a lot lately is Atlantic City, New Jersey. And the reason people have been bringing this up is because GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, recently had an event there on the beach or within the vicinity of the beach area with fans, limited fans, but they had them. And they're not the only wrestling promotion that's done that. Well, actually, they have been the only wrestling promotion that's done that so far, but they had limited fans. And, you know, this is where WWE SummerSlam may end up at if it, if the last result being the PC doesn't come into play. But if... SummerSlam ends up at Atlantic City, will it be on the beach? Will it be on the boardwalk? Be really interesting. We do know that they have the Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. It's a small venue. It's held WWE Raw. It's held WWE SmackDown. It can hold without a shadow of a doubt, it can hold SummerSlam and they could. Limit the capacity of the people that come in there. So that's probably an option to look at. Another option is, believe it or not, if they're close friends with Trump still, the Trump plazas. And they know that's possible. But it's all up to, but again, they've got about 14 days, two weeks from today to figure it out. And basically, when it comes to Vince McMahon, who's the chairman and the owner of the company, as the old saying goes, when so-and-so wants something, they get it. Well, when Vince McMahon wants something, he finds a way to get it. And if he wants SummerSlam outside of the Performance centers this year, and he wants it in a different location, he's going to get it. Even if he has to go down to the beaches in Orlando, Florida and make it happen, he'll make it happen. But... Again, the question is, where will WWE hold the 2020 version of SummerSlam this year? And a lot of folks have basically said, whether he likes it or not, it's going to be the performance center. You know, it's like he's going to have no choice. He's going to have to have it at the performance center, whether he likes it or he doesn't. Others are hopeful that maybe he does find a way to have SummerSlam outside of the performance center. And if he does, then my money would be on Atlantic City. They just gotta iron out a few details here and there to make it happen. The other thing is they could still have it in Orlando, but they have to do it on the beach. Now I know what people are saying. They're saying it doesn't matter where they have it, if they have an Atlantic City at the boardwalk, you know, and on the beach. That's not going to limit people that might be true but it is outdoors and one of the things that the news outlets, the doctors professors whatever you want to call them have been uh, have been encouraging is to have more activities outdoors because it lessens the spread it lessens the spread it's outdoors it lessens the spread because I think the reason they're saying go outdoors, is now we're heading into that time of the year with summer, with the summer season, where the heat really increases. And whether you believe it or you don't, the heat does kind of help decrease, doesn't get rid of, but decrease the virus to the point that it won't be as effective as it would be normally. So that's one positive people look at, like, hey, if SummerSlam could be on a beach in Atlantic City, or on a beach in Orlando, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. So, you know, so if it happens, it happens. But a lot of people primarily are looking at the fact that, you know, a lot of people are primarily looking at the fact that, you know, Vince has got to face reality, and that reality is, hey, you know, you're going to probably have to just hold it at the PC center whether you like it or you don't. I look at it this way. I look at it as he's got four options. The PC is going to be a top. PC is an option, probably the last resort, and most likely Atlantic City Boardwalk on the beach. Orlando, Florida on the beach. Or Atlantic City Boardwalk Hall. That's the way I look at it. Those are the four options, in my opinion, because one, One Atlantic City, Atlantic City, if you will, beach, boardwalk, it's outdoors. And even if people crowd together, you know, you could have security go in there and say, Hey, can you guys go be a part a little bit? Because we don't want you get infected or anything like that. They could do that. Or they could require, Hey, you want to see the event? Wear a mask. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. But again, they are encouraging more outdoor, outdoor activities. Um, second being the PC. Again, the PC is a last resort. And it's a last resort he doesn't want to have to utilize, but he may have to, Most more than likely. Orlando, Florida, on the beach is another likely scenario because, you know, again, you have crowds. You, well, not crowds, but you have people that will be able to attend. And you'll find, and out, it's outside, and Orlando is one of the hot spots of the summer. It's known for being very warm during the summer. Not saying that's true or anything because I don't live out there, but it's mainly looked at as being uh, one of those hot spots during this time of year for the summer season. And then, of course, you got the boardwalk hall, which they have done before in Atlantic City, where basically. Uh, you could have uh SummerSlam in that building, but you could you can limit the capacity. It may not be the T daughter the T excuse me excuse me there. It may not be the TD Garden Arena in Boston, but at least it's a venue that's not the point before. It's it's at least what I'm trying to get at. At least it's a venue that's not the performance center. So. Those are the four options, in my opinion. Uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey, boardwalk on the beach, because it's outdoors. Same as Orlando, Florida, on the beach, outdoors. PC Performance Center as a last resort, and probably more likely. And and possibly, because they can limit the crowd, the boardwalk hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Again, those are the four options I could see where WWE will hold the 2020 version of SummerSlam. Now, here's what's interesting: Chris Jericho recently made the news because he and Fozzie performed concerts in North and South Dakota, and they had crowds. But unbeknown, but unknown to a lot of people, because they're only going by the pictures taken and the criticism Chris Jericho and you know Fozzy got his band Fozzie got for doing this. What they didn't emphasize, and JD from NY 206 actually talked about this uh, in his podcast, is Chris Jericho took all the right, Chris Jericho and Fozzie took all the right measures and precautions. They didn't interact with anybody. They took temperatures. They handed out masks. They did everything right to the T. And I think one of the concerts was outdoors. And, Believe it or not, South Dakota is no stranger to wrestling because they used to hold for numerous years WCW Hog, hog uh, WCW Hog slash Road Wild at the South Dakota uh, biking um, event. And that's another option too. That could be a wild card option. That if they can't get Atlantic City in either way, they can't do Orlando, they don't want to be at the PC, go to South Dakota, take a page out of WCW's playbook, and have it there. Have it in South Dakota. It will work. It may not be beach-oriented, but guess what? At least it's outdoors, and South Dakota and North Dakota are the least infected right now when it comes to the virus, as far as the U.S. is concerned. So I think, honestly, that could be a wild card option if they think about it. And maybe they are. Maybe they are. Because at least they'll be able to get fans. And it would be out of Florida. It would be outside of Florida. It would be outside of the Performance Center. And it would be in a place that has had wrestling events happen in August uh, during the summer at this time of year. So So, it would be really interesting to see what the decision will be. But right now, the most likely a lot of people are pointing at is he's going to have no choice but to do the PC. So, again, wait and see scenario right here. Wait and see scenario. All right. So, number six. Number six topic. Hold on for a sec. Let me do something. Have to get up and stretch a little bit. If you heard a pop, that was just me popping my elbow. <laughs> you know. Uh but anyway, number six. Number six. And the number six topic is Will Wonder Woman 84 and Black Widow end up going to premium VOD video on demand. The reason I bring this up is in case you guys don't know, Mulan, Mulan, if you will, which is the 2020 live-action remake of the 1997... I think it was 1997. Yeah, 1997 um, animated film by Disney. Mulan, basically, like I said, the 2020 remake, originally was supposed to hit theaters at this time, if not earlier. But because of the pandemic has had to go through a variety of delays, you know, release date changes, stuff like that. So the new president at Disney, the new CEO, I guess, decided, you know what, screw this. We're going to release Mulan, but we're going to do it in a way that benefits everybody. Now, apparently Disney did have a talk with uh, the National Association of Theater Owners, NATO, as unknown. known, another version of NATO, but the National Association of Theater Owners. They recently had a talk with them and let them know ahead of time that, yeah, this is probably going to be a possibility if things don't get better or the theaters don't open up. So the decision was made that the new Mulan movie, like I said, is a live-action remake of the 1997 film. uh, The new Mulan film would head directly to VOD and simultaneously into some theaters that are opening that are open I should say and operational now you might now you might ask yourself well why is it going to VOD well again this is where the word premium comes into play cuz you see premium basically is rental only you can only rent the movie now, if you have Disney Plus, this is going to be really interesting because even though you're paying about $7 a month right now for Disney Plus, like I am, if you want to see the new Mulan movie, you have to fork over an additional $30. Now, I don't know if it's just a one time deal, or if you fork over that 30 bucks, the movie's yours or uh for good, basically part of your playlist to watch whenever you want. But it sounds like it's basically rental only on the Disney Plus service. And this has kind of gotten people talking and wondering, wait a minute. So in addition to the $7 you're charging us a month for this service, you're also wanting us to pay an additional 30 to watch this live-action remake of Mulan. And yeah, that's about it. But again, what's interesting is simultaneously, the movie is ending up in theaters that are open and operational as we speak, and even some of the drive-ins that are opening up, like my job is opening up some drive-ins in various parts of the country in the parking lots and all that. so yeah, basically that's what's going so yeah, that's basically what's going on with mulan is. Because of because of the major theaters are not open right now just yet. Plans are for the end of this month, mid to the end of this month, beginning of September to open up. Well, you know, because they're not open, the plan is for Mulan to end up uh on Disney Plus VOD. Now the I think it's rumored, let me look this up. I think it is rumored or reported, excuse me. See, see, um. See, see wikipedia this might have it all okay here we go it says, uh, I'm trying to figure out the date. September 4th. Okay. Now, according to what Wikipedia says here, the film will premiere for a premium fee on Disney Plus on September 4th, which was around Labor Day it will still be released theatrically in countries where theaters have reopened. As well as in countries that do not have Disney+. Plus. Now, that also means, again, there are going to be theaters here and drive-ins that may play it as well here in the U.S. Now, speaking about the $29.99 price point for the film in the United States, Bob Chapik, said, we're trying to establish a new premier access window to capture the investment we got, but it's a fairly large stimulus to sign up. Well, not, wait a minute, hold on, I reread that. I, re- I read that wrong, hold on. It says, Disney CEO Bob champick said, we're trying to establish a new premium access window to capture the investment we got in the film. From our research, under a premium access offer, not only does it get us revenue, from our original transaction of PVOD, Premium Video On Demand. But it's a fairly large stimulus to sign up for Disney+. Plus. Variety, now, according to Wikipedia here, Variety estimated the film would need to be rented by about 8.4 million subscribers, which is 13.8%, in order to break even. Unlike other premium VOD releases, this is according to Wikipedia and Variety, Unlike other premium VOD releases that feature a forty eight hour viewing window, Mulan will remain available to renters for as long as they stay subscribed to Disney plus okay, so there we go, so that's what that's what I'm pretty sure a lot of people are looking for. you know exactly how long would it be and it's gonna as long as you're subscribed to Disney plus it's yours to view at any time. no extra costs, so I guess that's kind of cool. And everything. But again, it also kind of lends itself to probably being um, recorded uh, or video captured to be released uh, online, like through torrents and all that. So that's probably the only uh, downside to it. Now, the question is will it get that 8.4 million people, which is 13.8% of its subscribers, to buy it to break even? That's going to be a big question. It's going to be a big question. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a risk. To me, it's going to be – come September 4th, it's going to be very intriguing to see if that's exactly what happens. We'll We'll see. We'll see. I know I use that a lo- I use that a lot here, but that's basically what it is. It's a will see deal. But what it has to do with the topic about Wonder Woman '84 and Black Widow, um, ending up going, uh, ending up going to uh, premium VOD. It's an interesting question because you know we don't know exactly what's going to happen now. Some people are hoping that AMC and Regal. Will reopen by the end of the month, middle to end of the month, uh, with modifications and everything, so that movies like Wonder Woman eighty four and Black Widow can be seen as originally planned. Now things could change. Not saying they're gonna, you know, uh, remain this. Not going to say that it's going to remain that way. But things, things and plans could change. And Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman eighty four and Black Widow could possibly find themselves in the same scenario as Mulan. And that is they could end up as premium VODs. Now, if Black Widow ends up in that category, then she'll basically just end up in the same situation as Mulan. And that's basically being a premium VOD exclusive on Disney Plus that allows you to rent it for maybe $30, but keep it as long as you want with no extra cost. Basically, be part. Basically, once you rent it, and let's say you put it on your watch list, it's there unless you unsubscribe to Disney Plus. Wonder Woman eighty four, though, that's going to be an interesting scenario because Warner Brothers put too much money into this that I doubt they're going to want to go VOD with it because the only way they can go VOD is if they end up doing the. Uh, is they end up basically doing what they did with Scoob. And that's saying, here's the VOD, rent or buy. And the only way they can break even with that movie is not go the route of 30 bucks. The only way they're going to break even is they charge 50 bucks to own the damn movie. That's the way I look at it. They put a lot of effort and time and money into Wonder Woman 84. You think if they have to go premium VOD, they're going to say, yeah, we're going to give you the same option we gave you with Scoob, but we're going to raise the price a little higher. Like for rental, you're going to have to pay $19.99, just like, the, you know, just like people do with Trolls, or $29.99, just like people are going to have to do with Mulan. But to own Wonder Woman 84, you're going to have to fork over maybe $49.99 because we put too much time and effort in this. So, we'll, so basically the question of will Wonder Woman and Black Widow uh, end up going to premium VOD. If things don't get better, which they will, by the grace of God, they will. And theaters don't reopen, even with modified settings, which they will, hopefully. Then I could see it happening and I could see the possibility. This is just my opinion. I could see the possibility of Wonder Woman 84 going the route of Scoob, but instead of being, being put in the price range that Scoob was for, for a rental or purchase, I could see it being I could see the price being raised up a lot more. I could see Wonder Woman 84 being for rental being charged around 30 bucks, just like Disney's doing with Mulan and Disney Plus. But I could also see them charging maybe 49.99, 50 bucks for people to purchase and own the film. That that way Warner Brothers financially can make up for what they will lose. Again, just an opinion, just an opinion on what I, on the direction I think they would have to take to make up financially and break even for, you know, for Wonder Woman 84, if Warner Brothers has to do that. Black Widow, I think is going to end up in the same category as Mulan. They may raise the price up to maybe, maybe 34.99, 35 bucks, basically $5 more, you know, for rental and to keep, You know, on Disney Plus and part of your watch list for as long as you subscribe to the service. But, you know, if it's but if it's going to be Disney and Marvel's way of trying to break even and make up for what they won't be able to make in theaters. Then they're going to have to do it. Hopefully that won't be the case. Hopefully these movies will be able to enjoy a theatrical run. But if that's not the case and things change because things can change depending on how you view it. Um, I Honestly, I could see these two movies going to premium VOD. And like I said, with Wonder Woman 84, I could see Warner Brothers charging maybe 30 bucks for rental and 50 bucks for purchase just to try to break even and make up for what they would have made in the theaters. I could see Black Widow being a bigger production a little bit than Mulan being... Priced at maybe thirty-five dollars for rental on Disney Plus, just so people can have the movie, just so people can rent the movie one time and have it on the service, have it in the watch list, if you will, as long as they're subscribed to Disney Plus. So I could see it happening. Hopefully, it won't, but you never know. I mean, tomorrow, John Campa, John Campa, could come out and say. Yeah. Uh I just heard that Wonder Woman eighty four is gonna go to premium VOD and they're gonna go the same route they did with Scoob, but instead of charging what they did for Scoob, they're gonna raise the price up to where now you have to pay thirty dollars to rent it and fifty dollars to purchase it. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if something like that was to break, some kind of news like that was to break, but hopefully it won't. It won't hopefully it won't. But yeah, that is an intriguing question of will they end up in that category? where they end up going to premium VOD with those possibilities, with those pricing options uh, being possibilities for rental and in case of Wonder Woman purchase. Um, again, wait and see kind of deal. <laughs> I know, like I said, I say that a lot here, but in these kind of scenarios, it is, it really is. It's like, you know, you don't know what you're going to, you don't, it's like right now, Both movies are scheduled for theatrical release, but you don't know whether or not it's going to be true. It's the same with Tenet. You think Warner Brothers is going to want to put that on premium VOD? No, but if they have to, they will, and they'll probably charge more than they do with Wonder Woman on both the scenarios. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that topic. Next topic, the seventh topic we're going to talk about here, is will hashtag Rally for Sally succeed in the end? Well, apparently it looks like Rally for Sally is getting a lot of attention because it's still trending on social media. You go on Twitter, you go hashtag RA, and one of the first things, if not the first thing you see, is Rally for Sally. So it's still trending. And it did get the attention of the people over at the um, Sega HQ here in the U.S., it did get the attention of the people of those people who, I think, did a video conference or a video. Um, uh, I, I, it was, a, was it a video conference or some kind of a announcement, video announcement, or something like that, or update? It it did get mentioned by them, so at least it's getting some traction. And now you have people bringing out fan art and all that of Tangle and Whisper. Honing up a banner in behind Sonic and Sally saying hashtag rally for Sally, and these are two characters that were incorporated into the mobile games recently. So, yeah, what well, the question is, will it succeed? Uh, in the end, will it reach its goal? Right now, it looks like it's on track to do something. I mean, 2020 has pretty much been the, the year of the unpredictable, so I would not be surprised if we end up getting news. Before this year's out, that hey r- hashtag rally for Sally succeeded, and Sally Acorn is now going to be in a game, or she's going to be incorporated into the IDW book, or heck, she might be revealed as the one that sent Tails to find Sonic in the sequel for the Sonic movie. Who knows? But, but yeah, Rally for Sally seems to be succeeding. It's it's um, um, it's really interesting. It's again, it's uh, intriguing. To see, um, you know, how much support you know the character is getting, and again, in case you guys want to know why this is happening, like I said, about a month ago or so, Sega, along with IDW, made the announcement that in the mobile games Sonic Forces, Speed Battle, and Sonic Dash, that Tangle and Whisper, two characters that were initially IDW comic characters. We're going to be incorporated into the game as playable characters. This got the attention of a lot of fans, so like, wait a minute. Sally's been around a lot longer than these characters. Bunny Rabbit's been been around a lot longer than these characters. Why aren't they involved? Why aren't they in the games? Why didn't they get picked? And that's why the hashtag Rally for Sally became what it is. So again, the question is, will it succeed in the end? Right now, it looks like it's on the path to achieve something. And again, whatever it will be, people will be able to look back on this hashtag and say, hey, at least we accomplished something. We got something out of it. So yeah, I think it will succeed. But how it will succeed, that's up in the air. But yeah, it looks like it's heading down a successful route as we speak, because it is still trending on social media. All right. So the eighth and final topic we're going to talk about, So the eighth and final topic we're going to talk about, uh, yesterday, August 8th, 2020, marked the 34th or 35th, depending on how you look at it, but in my opinion, 34th anniversary of the 1986 Transformers movie. And uh, yeah, this is a movie that myself and a lot of people of the 80s uh, and even the 90s uh, grew up with. We enjoyed it. Uh, My family, my sisters, would say that it's one of the movies that I watched over a million times, and I know every single line to it. Um, So yeah, it's uh, it's so for me as a kid, it is a very impactful uh, movie uh, for me because, you know, I was just uh, his thing. I was seven years old when this movie came out. And I didn't see it in the theaters. I had to wait at least until I think the beginning of next year or the beginning of the following year or the end of the year, the beginning of the following year to get to see it on VHS. I have said this many times before. I can remember clear as day. We used to live in Hayward, California, and there used to be a neighborhood video down on Mission Boulevard going towards my grandma's, my grandpa and grandma's. And we would always go in there to rent movies and games. And they would always have posters of what was coming soon. And then on the back, when you go to the counter to purchase your rental, they would have a whiteboard with a lot of what was coming in. Uh, and, well, basically, they would have a whiteboard with a line down the middle. And on one side, it would say the coming soon. It would say coming soon. It would have all the titles of what was coming to uh, VHS. And then on the other side, it would say new arrivals. And I remember going in there one day, seeing a poster of Transformers the movie, thinking, what is this? And then I saw on the whiteboard, it said, coming soon, Transformers the movie. And I can recall that my parents knew I wanted to see this movie. And they basically um, called up Neighborhood Video to reserve it when it came out. And we ended up getting it, I think, the 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 week it came out. We ended up renting it the week it came out. And boy, was this a, and boy was this a, and boy was it impactful. You know, just the way it came off and everything. And it definitely showing you that it was a lot different than what you saw on television. You know, a lot more violent, a lot more crazy and stuff. It, it was really a surprise. It was really a surprise. And we lived at that time. Me and my family, we lived on Harder Harder Road in Hayward in these apartments. And I remember watching it on a big TV. I think it was Harder Road. I don't know if we moved already to Fremont or something. We may have moved to Fremont. Yeah, I think we did. I think we did move to Fremont just recently or something. And we were still, I think, was it Fremont? I can't remember. Can't remember. I do know we rented it for neighborhood video. And um yeah, I think it I think it was I think we were still living on a harder road and all that. Um but anyway, like I said, I remember watching the film and like I said, it was big, it was huge, like impactful, it was just so impactful just the reaction we all had with it. I was like, whoa, what is this? You know, man, this is different from the show. And it's just, just, it was just, to me, it was a film that even though it did basically the one thing that scarred or basically made a lot of kids emotional and that's kill Optimus prime, that it's still one of the movies that I just kept going back and watching and watching and watching and watching and watching and watching, and watching, and watching, and watching, and watching time in and time out never getting enough of it never getting enough of it and in fact it got to a point that when they decided to show it in syndication on KBHK 44 which is now KBCW um my mom allowed me to record it onto VHS one saturday morning because i think i i think i behaved myself that week i got good grades or something that week at school i don't know but she allowed me to, um, to watch it, basically, and record it, and I did. And again, this was at a time when the, when the syndicated networks that were airing Transformers in the morning, every now and then would basically reserve two hours from 9 to 11 to show the movie. And I would, like I said, I would look through the TV guide and if I saw Transformers at 9, but then I saw another show coming on after it at 9.30, I'll be like, okay, they're not showing the movie, but it's good to see an episode. But anytime they would go that route, and I would say, oh, wait a minute, nothing is on at 9.30. Nothing is I'll showing. Like, oh, they're going to show the movie. So I would watch the movie. And and I was happy about it. I was really thrilled to find, to have it on VHS. Even though it was a clean version, cleaned up version, in other words, no swearing stuff like that, it was good. I was still glad to have it. I was just really glad to have it. Um. But yeah. But yeah, you know, I I I've watched according to my, according to my sisters. I've watched it so many times. I know, I know all, <laughs> I know, I know all the lines and all the scenes, so. Yeah, it's uh again, it was one of those movies that I just remember watching and I wanted to see it in the theaters but of course being 6 7 years old, hyperactive and all that. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> that's not probably the best ideal place uh, a theater an indoor theater is probably not the most ideal place for a kid. You know what I'm saying? Um and I'm I'm pretty sure I probably would have been in the category of being drugged out of the theaters by my parents if I would have saw it there because of what was going on. So, um, but yeah, it was, but yeah, I've seen it so many times that, you know, I, I just had to own it in different formats. Like I said, when it came on KBHK 44, which is now KBCW 44, I recorded it on VHS. That VHS is now lost, destroyed, probably warped to heck, you know, Uh, long story short on that. um, I had a bunch of VHSs before I moved back here. I didn't get a chance to bring them back. My dad took them to the house he used to live in in Oskaloosa. And when that house was boarded up and everything, after he moved out due to legal reasons and all that, I'm not going to get into, he had to leave a lot of the stuff behind and one of them of course was my VHS tapes that I'd recorded and one of them was of course Transformers the movie along with some other stuff you know so yeah that ended up being left behind and you know that was about that was the end of that but fortunately afterwards I was able to uh get the movie on VHS thanks to my late grandma my dad's mom uh she helped me get the movie on VHS and then I got it on VHS again through um, Hastings, uh, Hastings Corporation, or the Hastings Entertainment Store in Lawrence, Kansas. And both were kind of different. One had a special edition on it, and one didn't have the special edition on it. Well, basically, they had the word saying special edition on top, and the other one didn't. And the one that had the special edition was basically the UK version with the scroll, the scroll introduction. where well, the other one was the way I remembered it. And then, of course, I got the DVDs, the DVD, which was special edition, which was the one, which was the way I remembered it by Kid Rhino. Then, of course, I ended up getting the VA. Then, of course, in fact, maybe I should show you. And of course, I got the um, Madman Entertainment one of Transformers the movie, which is right there. And of course, I ended up getting the official uh, Blu-ray release uh, when it came out, for so I think the 30th anniversary. I ended up getting this one as well. And this was released by um, Shout Factory. This is the Steelbook version on Blu-ray. So I ended up finally... So I ended up getting, like I said, the DVD... I ended up getting the DVD, so I ended up, like I said, I ended up getting the DVD by Kid Rhino. And then I ended up getting the Blu Ray by Madman Entertainment, the UK version. And then finally, when Shout Factory made the announcement they were going to do the movie, I did that one um, as well. I got that one as well. As well as I also got the uh, Marvel comic adaptation of the movie. I also have the, I think, what was it? The what was it, the Dreamwave or IDW adaptation of the movie. And of course, as I've shown before, uh, well, I have uh, the poster as well. I can't, I can't really show that, but I have the poster. And then... And Then of course I have um, these as well. The soundtracks on uh, vinyl, and I do have the soundtrack on CD um, as well. I have the soundtrack. The, I have the soundtrack that looks like this. The CD sound. Uh, the CD of the soundtrack that looks like this it has this cover, and then I have the soundtrack which came out in time for the Shout Factory release of the movie on Blu-ray. so yeah I have those and also have that Optimus Prime with the stand where you press the Autobot symbol and he says lines from the movie even though it's not Peter Colen. so yeah I have a lot of that a lot of that kind of stuff and again it just shows you the impact that the movie had on me how much of a fan of of the movie I am and like I said I've seen it so many times I even recently just bought it over the past couple months I bought it on Uh, video on demand, basically streaming through Vudu, V-U-D-U, Vudu, and then recently through Amazon Prime Video, which is kind of surprising that, you know, if both have it, if both have it on premium video, on a premium video, but on VOD to buy, why didn't they just make a deal with Movies Anywhere and just say, hey, Movies Anywhere, put Transformers in there, let them type it in, and then they could just get it automatically like that. I don't know, but yeah, I have it on both ends of the spec. So yeah, I have it through that as well. So again, it just it shows you the impact that the movie had on me as a kid, how much I liked the movie. Uh, I used to reenact it with my cousins a few times at my grand and my gr- when we would visit when we see each other at my grandparents. So I really, really just have a lot of fond memories of it. I know that a lot of people that grew up with the film in the 80s and the 90s, they have fond memories of it. I know the Game Chasers have talked about it and said, you know, there are some things about it that they liked and some of the things that they didn't, especially, you know, with what happened to Prime. But overall, it's just a movie that, you know, even if you grew up on it in the 90s and even the 2000s, which I understand some people did, it's a movie that you just, that you have to really, it's a movie that you just can't get enough of. I mean, Rob Thomas, Bob Show, uh, grew up during the era of Beast Wars. So did Louis Lovehog, of, you know, a.k.a. Linkara of Atop the Fourth Wall. They both grew up at the time where they were mostly enthrined, uh, uh, intertwined, I think, with Beast Wars. But because of Beast Wars and the fact that in the later seasons, they would basically make the connection that, oh, Beast Wars is a prequel To G1, that got them to go and want to see episodes of G1 as well, see the movie and enjoy it themselves. So, overall, I really, really enjoyed, like I said, the movie, I enjoyed the movie, and I have a lot of fond memories of it as a a kid. You know, I've, like I said, I have a lot of fond memories of it um, as a kid. So, I, I can't really say any more than that. I really can't. So, yeah, you know, yet that, but like I said, yesterday celebrated the, it marked the 34th anniversary of the movie. Next year on the 8th, which will fall on a Sunday, believe it or not, will mark the 35th anniversary. And I can only imagine going into the 35th anniversary, what Hasbro and Shout Factory, you know, will have in Paramount and all of them will have in mind for the movie. I do know that within this year and last year they and they even when they released the movie onto Blu-ray officially that they did theatrical showings of the film. So I'm just curious if they might do that again for the 35th anniversary. But anyway though guys, that's all I can say on this eighth and final topic, as well as for this topics on my mind video for today, the ninth of um, August 2020. Thank you all for watching. Again, this is the first time I've used the um, blue um, blue snowball mic. Hopefully it worked out fine for you guys to l- hear me on. Just got to steady it, make sure it's okay. But really, guys, that's all I'm going to say. So thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. This will be on MP3 this will be converted, I should say, into an MP3 format later on. So be on the lookout for that, because it will be part of my BW Roses Discussion podcast um, within the next day or so. So be on the lookout for that. I really hope you guys will listen to that. You can find the BW Roses Discussion podcast at all your favorite podcast locations from Spotify, Anchor.fm, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio. Stitcher FM or Stitcher, yeah, Stitcher, if you will, breaker audio, uh, radio public, player.fm. You can find them all in those find a majority of it in those areas, as well as find um kind of an offshoot of it called uh BW 1979's uh podbean, if you will, you can find it there, as well as you can Hopefully down the line, find it at Pandora. I don't know when that's gonna happen, if that's still being transitioned or not. So anyway, though, guys, just thought I'd come on here with this podcast. First time, like I said, using the snowball or the blue snowball ice mic. Let me know what you guys all thought about it down below. Thank you all for watching live. Those in the live chat. Thank you all for those watching afterwards. Let me know what you all think about what I've had to say in the comment section below. And I will talk to y'all later. God bless. Take care. Have a good day.